Hey love, welcome to the Living by Design podcast. I'm Devani. I've been in the mental health field for about five years and I have my master of social work. Every episode, you'll hear empowering messages and practical tools to help you start creating a healthier, more loving relationship with yourself so that you can start feeling more free, more confident, and creating your life by design. I truly believe that by integrating faith, holistic wellness, and psychology, we can create radical change within ourselves and then within our community as a whole. I'm so, so grateful and excited that you're here. Let's dig in. All right. Hello, you guys. I'm so, so excited to be here this morning with Michelle. She is one of my colleagues, one of my mentors, someone that I appreciate so much. And we chatted this week and I intentionally wanted to bring her onto the show to really just have an honest and transparent conversation about everything that's going on um, and just to have a really open discussion about it and to really support you guys as well and to share some you know valuable insights with you you. So Michelle, thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. Okay. So we're just going to dive in. Um, we had a conversation this week, um, just about everything going on and how we were both, you know, feeling and just a lot of thoughts that were going on. And, and there was so much wisdom that was shared for Michelle that I just knew that I needed to have her on here to share that with you. So I would love to just first ask, like, if someone is wondering, like, where do I even start? What do I even do right now? They're just trying to figure that out, you know, trying to even figure out how they feel, what they're thinking. What do you feel like would be some of the best first steps for people right now? I think um, one of the very first steps should be taking a moment to seek information. Um, You know, what's going on right now has hit people's awareness at different time points other than when Mr. Floyd was killed. Um, And, you know, so people are responding to different things that they've seen as a response without a lot of information. And when you do that, even if you can just stop and try to gather a modicum information on your own, that kind of helps as you're trying to process your feelings because it gives something to, to balance them against. It's not just all emotion, right? So if you feel grief, for example, I can give an example of positive and a negative emotion, right? So in the situation. So one would be like, let's say um, you, saw, you saw protesting and it was a peaceful protest and it was like Black Lives Matter and you saw some police officers kneeling and that brought you know, um, a sense of, of empathy and, and made you want to support, right? That's great. But if you still don't really have kind of an understanding of why the police are kneeling and what Black Lives Matter means or why it was started or what they're even referring to, it's still just emotion. And if you enter into a conversation, you know, with someone or even as you're trying to process your own emotions inside and you don't have that knowledge base, it's, it's not really helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Just, I love that. On the flip side, if you uh, see looting and rioting 
And you've heard reports that, you know, people are burning down buildings. You'll experience, you know, anger, rage, um, intolerance. Um, definitely makes it very hard to be sympathetic or empathetic to a cause if that's not aligned with your value system. And again, there, stopping, take a tick, find out why, what, what is going on here. It, like, even objectively, as much as you can. Like, why are people burning down buildings? <laughs> why is this okay? Or why do they think this is okay? You know what I'm saying? And then you have, you know, your personal experience, emotions, rage, etc. But at least when you go to say something to somebody about it, you've got both. And it just, it makes it a little bit easier um, of a starting point to work from. Absolutely. I love that so much. And I I think when you mentioned like looking, you know, really looking for information about like, what is the movement really about? Because I think that a lot of people either have misinformation or they have no information. Mm -hmm. Right. And then they just come at it with, like you said, like the feelings or what they're seeing on the media or what they're seeing right from everywhere. And so, you know, and I recognize and I empathize like you know, it can be challenging to find factual sources, right? But you have to at least try and look for those things, not just look at what is coming to you. And I will say a random side note that whatever you're seeing on your timeline and on your feed, like all of that stuff is based in the algorithm. So it's going to feed you things that you are going to want to see. So looking for other sources of what is this about? Like just this morning, I was looking, um, there are certain topics within, you know, all of this stuff going on that I am extremely passionate about, like certain areas, you know, like social determinants of health and like the modern segregation and things like that. And so like looking up books, you know, looking up other sources for you to find information and really learn more about what is actually going on? What are people actually trying to accomplish right now? So I I love that you said that. Mm-hmm. Um, and something that something that came up in our conversation too was um, this concept of having hope. So tell me why is that? Because I just knew that you needed to share this. So why is that something that's just so important to you right now? Hope is huge for me. It's always been huge. Um, one of the things that you know about me, and I think I can say it has been consistently emphasized in our relationship, has been my Christian worldview. And um, I wasn't necessarily raised in the church or anything like that. But um, because I wasn't, and the way God was introduced to me, I didn't understand faith. Um, how can you have faith in a God that you don't believe in or that you don't know or anything, a higher power? But how can you have faith in anything um, without hope? And I remember like when I first um, became a Christian and I was like going to classes and sermons, everybody talked about faith. You need mustard seed faith, just the tiniest little bit of faith. And then and now, um, I'm very aware that when we're encouraging people for something, they are facing situations where they literally feel hopeless. So there is no faith. And when you're, when you, when you're fighting a battle 
are presented with a circumstance that you feel is hopeless, it completely transforms how you interact with that situation. I mean, just completely. I, we talk about burnout. You're going you're gonna to give up. You think you have no power. What do you do when you have no power? Well, depending on the person, fight or flight. Right? You've got no power. You're going to seize the power like crazy or you're just going to give up. You know, you're, you're discouraged. Um, th- these situations like this, uh, police, police brutality, uh, systemic racism, like everything that's on the table right now that is being talked about are not things that are going to change overnight. Um, you need to be able, something has to give you the endurance to run that race of progression. And um, if you can't even enter into a productive conversation, if you don't have hope for a peaceful end or agreement or unity, you know? So, I mean, I could give so many examples uh, that I've seen them play out over the last few days of people that are speaking from points of hopelessness. Um, But one thing that I believe it strongly is that those of us that do identify as faithful or believers have a responsibility to speak from a place, a place of hope. You can be righteously angry. You can be grief ridden. You can be empathetic, friendly. You can, but you can even be kind of neutral if there's a way to do so and still bring a message of hope. Um, in a situation, because even you being hopeful and, and, and spreading that message, maybe even if you don't feel it, it quickens others. Like it lights that fire and, and we, we need to have that. I love that so much. Yeah. And I, I love that you talked about allowing yourself, like allowing yourself to feel whatever feelings you are feeling, but also also fostering and creating that sense of hope. And it may be even like you said, like you don't feel the hope, but diving in and figuring out how to cultivate that, like praying for that, praying for that to come to you. And -hmm. then also sharing that with other people. Um, And like you said, like the interactions, everything, everything that's going to come from you when you come from a place of hope is going to be different than coming from a place of hopelessness. Right, because you're you're kind of coming from a place of victory. It doesn't matter that you're dealing with a problem, a real problem, you know, being downtrodden in some shape or form. But when you approach it with hopelessness, it, it's now, it's not even as strong as faith or belief that you can make a change. It's just making that first commitment that first affirmation that I could even dare to believe that it could be possible, like that I can even say it. That, I mean, hope is just, I think it's just so powerful. And because I think that's the starting point. And if you can just get that part, I almost, I almost believe that hope is the mustard seed that they're talking about. You start there. You, you have hope and then faith comes in and it fills in the gap. Yeah. What are some ways that have, that have helped you foster hope? It could be in the last week. It could be, you know, just in general. What are some ways that have helped you? Oh, that's a really good question. 
you know, hope is challenging, <laughs> depending on what your experience has been. Um, I think one of the biggest barriers to hope is trauma. Um, someone or something may have beaten you up on some level enough to where you don't think that something good is, can come to you and that it would be even ridiculous for you to ask for it or to want it or to think that it could be available. Mm -hmm. You don't deserve it or you do deserve it, but you're not worth it. Um, I think the second probably hardest thing sometimes to be hopeful for something is not knowing what's available to you. For me, um, I've actually had trauma <laughs> and, uh, and I've also had um, a very limited view of what is available to me. There's so many decisions that I've made in my life that stayed within a little box of opportunity. Um, so to combat that, for me, I will say my Christian faith has done an amazing job. There are verses, um, you know, very simple verses that I hold to, like God will give you anything above what you need or as like, like above what I can perceive mm -hmm. is like hearing that um, it does something for me. It opens up that box of my worldview about what is attainable for me and for mine. Um, Abundantly I, more than we could ever think of or imagine or ask for. Mm-hmm. Having people pray over me for decades now and saying, you know, asking God to give me the desires of my heart. Before I will say, I've never heard anyone speak that over me or wish that for me. Not even, I mean, nothing against them, but not even my own parents. You know, they were, they were realists. I'm Black and Native American. My mom was adopted from an Indian reservation and all of her family as well. My father is from the South. You know, like we don't, our, the, the worldview that my parents presented me was very limited. They were like, this is the box and we're in this box and you need to figure out the best way how to operate within this box to get what you can from this box. <laughs> this is it. This is yours. Um, and like I said, it actually has affected a lot of my decisions. But I think it is important uh, besides the Christian faith because everybody or their faith, everyone may not have a you know spiritual base on that level where that's the message that they're getting or even the message that they believe. But um, I will tell you this. I talk about me, um, my parents being limiting they kind of are in what they presented to me, but they're also my parents and they believe in my capability. They know me. There's something about going home when you come from a good place, right? Not everyone has that, but if you do, sometimes I tell people like, sometimes you just need to go home and home can be home with your parents. Home can be home with your friends or your husband, but getting with people who really know who you are and they're not looking at you with all of the negative self-talk that you look at yourself with. They see all of the things that you take for granted in you. And they're like, no, you have a gift here. No, you can do that. No, I believe in you. What do you mean you look fat? You don't look fat today. Like you need that um, to just kind of expand 
you know, your, your view of yourself and, um, this belief that you can do things and that you're deserving and that you're wonderful and amazing. I love that so much. I think a a quote that stands out to me always is you don't know what you don't know. And I feel like that's been so huge, you know, is just realizing, like you said, like we don't know, or, you know, we believe what we've been, you know, taught to believe what we see is true. Um, and I, I love that so much. And I love that concept of going home and having people who are going to be there to speak life into you, speak love to you, speak, you know, um, when you need people to tell you like, no, this is, you can have more, this is a skill, this is, you know, whatever that looks like. Um, I love that so much. So it sounds like for you, a couple of ways that have helped you foster hope, even just throughout life, um, has been having those, having those people and definitely your faith. Yeah. And then I would say the third thing while you're mentioning that something a little more tangible is, um, looking at past victories. We, we have so many victories. I mean, in a day, (laughs) you know, but, um, if, if you just take a step back, you can see progress in, in nearly every situation. Um, and so I think that alone, I mean, just logically, you know, what do they say about clouds? Like they don't stay in the same place always. It passes. It's going to pass. I love that. Yeah. Just looking back on victories, looking back on times when God has provided, when you've been praying for something or even just like growth, growth that you've had, you know, looking back on those victories. I, I think that's so powerful. Okay. Um, so I, I love that whole discussion that we've had. I feel like we could talk about hope for so long. And I just feel like when we had chatted the other day, just really, really thinking about like when we are able to foster that hope within ourselves um, and even just have conversations around that, like how we show up, how we interact with people is going to feel so different. And I think more than ever right now, that's what we need. And this is like, no matter what color skin you have, like we all need hope right now that whatever, you know, equality, whatever, whatever that healing is going to look like for individuals, for our culture, for our world as a whole, like whatever that healing is going to look like, we have to maintain hope that that's possible. Mm -hmm. And something you had said too, is, you know, there's, there's the possibility, you know, and I don't want to say likelihood, but at least possibility that, you know, the ideal, right? Like ideal healing and what we're looking for may not happen in our lifetime. But like you said, figuring out how to create not, not only hope, but also like us, an ability to be steadfast and an ability to persevere and continue that walk daily so -hmm. that we can still continue making progress. Right. Yeah. And I think, I think too, um, so we can just kind of migrate into another topic that we had, you know, talked about, which I think is so important to both of us, um, both being in helping professionals or 
helping professions, um, is this idea of really being willing wherever you are. Um, and even if you're not in the helping profession, this is still super important is to be willing to slow down and to give yourself whatever space you're needing and to really take care of yourself right now, whatever that looks like. So Michelle, whatever you want to add to that, whatever you're feeling on your heart right now about that. I mean, as far as taking care of our... Yeah. I think it's kind of interesting. So I feel I'm going to acknowledge that, but I'm actually going to like segue into something else. Yeah, let's do it. Do it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, We are helping professionals. I actually heard um, a story the other day about... um, another helping professional going into a, one of their buildings. Um, they're like a consultant, right? And they heard a report that the administrator of that building um, opened up the morning meeting with, you know, a 15-minute, um, I don't want to say spiel, but he shared for about 15 minutes about um, what his feelings are about the Black Lives Matter movement and all the protests that are going on and how he has Black friends and couldn't possibly be racist. Um, and there was something else he had said. Oh, he played on the basketball team for his high school. And his staff and the location of where he worked is about 98% Black American, like they're Black. And, you know... I, I think that this is a time, definitely if you're interacting with people or just right now, it is a time where we are really looking for peace within ourselves, within our communities. At the same time, I don't think that that peace should be portrayed as, as selfishness. Um, when someone is hurting, absolutely, you know, you do want to make sure you're doing whatever you need to 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 protect yourself or, you know, to guard yourself. But if there's someone in need at the same time, acknowledge the need, you know, or I don't, I don't think to, to, to be honest, I don't think that the workplace is a place where things should be addressed other than a good morning team. I know that this is a very difficult time for you right now. And I acknowledge that if there's anything you need from me. Um, we can set aside, aside time. And I thank you for being here. I, I'm sure that we're all, you know, feeling the weight of the situation. And I hope for the best. <laughs> I think mean, that's a biceps in the professional setting. Um, and I think that that is almost like, when people have asked me like the safe answer, like, what do I say to someone if I don't know everything? And how do I not get, you know, um, ridiculed or shamed or ostracized as I'm trying to give my heart. And I think hope is the safest place because it acknowledges that there is something here. You don't have to be an expert about it, but I hope that this all ends well. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like, you're not saying that you support this specifically or that you don't have to get in the weeds of something. Um, You don't have to put yourself out there to get, you know, abused or whatever the case may be. This person, you're not attacking anyone. Um, 
I'm not sure exactly why it is that I felt that so strongly when you were talking, <laughs> but I just, I really felt um, the need to, to say that. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think it kind of circles back to what we had talked about before a little bit about, um, I actually don't know if this was before the recording or during the recording, but, but this idea of like, when we're showing up to have conversations or even just when we're thinking about our attitudes and our feelings about what's going on, like coming from a place of humility and coming from a place of hope. And I, I can't say necessarily that, you know, and I'm not here to cast judgment on anyone, but I would feel like when people are leading from a place of, well, I'm not right? That's coming from a place of needing to prove or needing to appear or look a certain way, right? Rather than what, what are your thoughts on that? It is coming to me now. There we go. And why my mind went there because we were talking about self-care and taking care of ourselves. And while I agree that we need to take care of ourselves I think that in times like this, when we're dealing with a situation that involves some type of injustice, if you can, the focus should not be on yourself. If you're able, the focus should be on the person that needs help. And not to the point of burning yourself out, right? I mean, I think for us that's a given, but maybe we don't hear that enough coming from being in a helping profession. But I guess in this conversation, because of what we're talking about, I've seen and heard some people, you know, saying like, well, um, I'm, I'm not racist. I'm a loving person. Like I show love. I have, you know, this many friends or they didn't have to say that. Like I have black friends. Like I, I do this. And that's a focus on you. That's about making you feel better. Exactly. Yeah you know, where you are and that's okay. But if you're, but if, but if the focus is on you, then that's taking your focus off of the problem because there's still a problem here and you can have respect for black people. You can like, you can believe in equality, but the reality is, is that there's a problem here. And if you're only able to focus on yourself and you think that if you continue to do what you've been doing, if I, sh- if I continue to show love, I'm a loving person, and say I continue to show love, then I'm changing the world. That would be true if this wasn't a systemic problem. This is not a systemic problem. So I think that, yes, baseline, take care of yourself, but absolutely shift the focus. This isn't, this to me isn't time really for you to take care of yourself. This is time for you to take care of your brother. I am my brother's keeper. I love that. What do you feel like would be, if you had to say um, like some tangible ways for people to do that? And I, I love what you're saying just about like, obviously you're going to meet your needs. Obviously you're going to take space if you need to take space. And like we had mentioned, right? Like, like, um, coming to things from a place of hope. And if you're in a state of, if there are a lot of emotions, right. Giving, like, give yourself the space, you know, and allow that for yourself. Um, but what do you feel like would be some steps for people to take? Um, I think that the first thing, so like I said, yeah, get your knowledge base, right. Get yourself together because the emotions are high <laughs> and, and everyone has an experience. 
right? Mm-hmm. You got to get that together first. <laughs> and then, and you don't have to be an expert, but I think the second thing is just having the attitude of seeking to understand a problem. What is the problem? Or as a person, seek to understand. I think reaching out um, to someone that you know. Um, Devani, when you called me, honestly, I was so thankful. I knew, I knew that that took courage. It had to. It's almost like people are afraid to poke the, the, the bear. They're like, okay, she's black. <laughs> she's pretty intelligent. I know she watches the news. We're good but she's probably affected right now. And it's almost like they're fearful of if I ask this person how they're doing, I might find out that they see me as being part of the enemy. I'm not the enemy. And it's like, you're scared to like present yourself. Like you think this is a hostile situation, even though there's love between us. You're like, well, does she see me as the enemy? You know, but um, that's where hope comes in. (laughs) I hope she doesn't. I love her. Hey, how are you doing? Or, you know what? I'm seeing that the stuff is going on. We never talk about this. Because I guarantee you, most of us have never talked about this kind of thing. And I think that um, you or anyone just seeking to check in and, and seek to understand where someone is, um, is so powerful. I think there is where that one-to-one dynamic interaction makes the difference to change the world. It's not you within yourself. It's you interacting with one person. Because when you interact with that one person and you show understanding and you speak hope, that person is going to go talk to somebody else. And they're going to go talk to somebody else. And you're going to leave that conversation. And you're going to go talk to somebody else. And now you all have credibility within yourselves and you're not looking at the news. You're not, this is not about, it's no longer about algorithms. It's completely relatable. You have credible information now. And I think that is what's going to make the most immediate change in these types of situations than the upper macro level stuff like protesting and, you know, all of the other stuff. It's it's a multi-level thing. Like, it's just so complex. But the most immediate change is going to be if you have a heart to support and you have, um, you're seeking to understand and you have hope for a good end for this individual, for our community, for our world, for humanity. This is a, this is a humanity problem. That conversation may be difficult at times, but I guarantee a good end if both people are coming to it from both sides in that way. Yeah. I love that so much. And like, that's something that we had mentioned was having that attitude of humility and having that attitude of curiosity and just trying to understand. And I, you know, I told Michelle before, before this call, like, you know, it's, it's, it's real to, to worry that you're going to say something that's going to come off wrong or hurt someone's feelings. Like, yeah, it's going to feel uncomfortable. And so is what's going on in the world, but to like a hundred million, you know what I mean? Like that is bigger and that is a more important issue than me feeling uncomfortable for a couple minutes, you know, or you feeling uncomfortable. That's, that's where the good stuff happens. That dynamic iron sharpening iron, that's where it happens. Like it has to happen. You, you have to kind of 
have that conflict a little bit. And it's not, you know what? It's not black versus white. Let me tell you, (laughs) one of the most powerful illustrations of this painful process of conversation happened within a family group chat where one of my um, sisters made a statement that was very well-meaning. I mean, just, I didn't really see anything wrong with it, you know, because I operate kind of at a simple level. Like, I don't like getting nitty-gritty, per se, about most things. I understood her heart. I try to look at the heart of people. And um, my cousin, who is, like, the smartest person I know in the world, immediately, like, had statistics. And, I mean, she just kind of, you know, whatever. I don't they got into it. And I, I don't mind sharing that because, you know, it's like, you, <laughs> I've had non-black people say to me, like, I'm fearful of saying something. Let, let me tell you something. <laughs> black people are fearful of saying something on <laughs> black people. Like, but that's where, that's how we get to the good stuff. That humility is important. When you, if you say something and you misspeak or you're not knowledgeable and someone brings you you know, with, with all of their passion, because people communicate differently, you know, the knowledge, you got to have some humility. If your heart is right and you, you want a good end and you're trying to, to get to the truth and make a change, well, the knowledge is power. So instead of focusing on being checked or becoming defensive, you know what I'm saying? Likewise, the other person bringing all that knowledge and, you know, the, the fire, they're bringing the fire to the situation and you know what, if you, if you, if you beat down the other person, cause we talked about trauma in your approach, you've lost, you, you, it could be, you know, sound, <laughs> you know, but if that message is not carried with an understanding, with love, with hope and, and patience, we, we do require patience. Even those out there burning down buildings should have patience because if they don't have patience, they're going to be burnt down because you're going to burn down a building. But guess what? You didn't change anything. You know what I'm saying? Like this whole thing requires patience. Our conversations require patience. So yeah, I think we're all, um, I think everyone's a little afraid. You know, there are people who want to go post protest peacefully. I want to protest peacefully. I'm a social worker. I haven't. Because it's not safe. Like, I just feel like it's not safe, you know? So I think everyone is a little um, intimidated by things. Yeah, I love love what you just said. And I feel like that'll be a perfect place for us to kind of wrap up with is just just being willing, being willing (laughs) to be sharpened. Mm-hmm. Be will, you know, like be willing to go into a conversation where you don't know how it's going to go and you're going to hope for the best and mm-hmm. you're going to be humble and you're going to reach out and make that connection. And I love how, um, just what you mentioned about like that power of making that one connection, like the one-on-one having yeah. those conversations, you know, like asking about people's experiences, asking about like, what can, you know, is there anything I can do? Like, you know, just, just being curious and empathetic and humble. And really, I feel like just being, just being willing, you know, Mm -hmm. being willing to put yourself in that space and recognizing that, that uncomfort, that little uncomfort that you're going to feel is minute compared 
to what's going on and compared to really what's been going on in the world for so long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I think that I know for a fact that black people in general, regardless of what they're, which side they're on of these matters, because, you know, Blacks are not all in agreement either, right? (laughs) Um, But I think that Black people in general absolutely are feeling a lot of pain, a lot of tension right now. And um, if you know someone, again, regardless of what what side they're on and you care about that person, I absolutely think that you should reach out and just have a conversation or just, I mean, someone sent me a $5 Starbucks card the other day. Like, I love you. I just want you to know that. Um, And if I could caution anything, any bit of advice, because I think it is important to just communicate. You don't have to have a long conversation, actually. Like, you could send a Starbucks card. You could send a hug emoji. Like, literally, that's, you know what I'm saying? But if you but if you do say something or if you do post something, I think the biggest thing to avoid doing my personal ask would be not to blame the victim. Get an understanding of what the problems are that have people so upset or the experiences. I mean, I've actually had personal experiences with police brutality that I've never shared with any of my non-black friends. And I actually hadn't shared with any of my black friends. I didn't even know it. I mean, it was just so normal like I hate to say that like it just was like it wasn't it was a big deal to me in the moment going through it but then I was like I'm alive like this isn't anything for me to cry about you know but um I so I think it's good to reach out but blaming the victim is just all bad in the situation because it's it's not the victim's fault here it's not black people's fault that this is happening um, whether you take the time to research that or not, or take the time to have a conversation with um, the people that you know, I can tell you that that is not it. <laughs> yeah. And I think that circles back to just really checking on how we're, you know, like how we're interacting and the attitudes that we have underneath these interactions and always coming back to that place of like hope, humility, love, peace, like you had mentioned. And if we're showing up and interacting in that way, we're not going to be, you know, saying things like that. And, and really too, I think, you know, something you just mentioned, it's like, what is, you know, if you really need to think about it, like, what's your, what's your intention in posting that? What's your, like, is this helpful? Mm -hmm. And like, if you need to process your feelings in your own time, pull out your private journal, you know, like do that, do that, write it out, get it out. And then when you really think about when you're interacting with people, when you're posting things like, what is my intention here? Is this helpful? Is it productive? But that's yeah. a whole nother discussion with what people do on social media, but you know. No, no, that honestly, that, means, <laughs> that is pertinent to this conversation. I mean, I know we're wrapping up, but I, I just thank you for even when you called me to check in and you had the sensitivity to say, I have some thoughts about this or, you know, I want, I am in support, you know, of this, but I don't know that I can speak the right message. You know, if you have something like it, freedom of speech, absolutely. You know what I'm saying? But if there is someone that you care about, like, and can trust, 
I love our conversations. I feel like there's never a conversation I have with you about anything that doesn't make me better, you know, in some way or give new insight. Um, if there is someone that you know that is that way, I mean, run it past them. Maybe they're the, the best place to start. Like, hey, I have these feelings. I wanted to post this. What do you think about that? I love that. Yeah. I love that so much. Oh, this was so good. Michelle, thank you so much for your Saturday morning. I so appreciate it. And this was very short notice. You know, I just, it was feeling so heavy on my heart that I needed to have you on here to share with everyone. So thank you for your time and thank you for just sharing so much with everyone. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Thank you. And is there anywhere where you would like people to find you or to connect with you or your business? Absolutely. Um, so my name is Michelle Wolfolk and my personal page is on Facebook. Um, so refill the ad request me, I guess, or I'm on Instagram. I'm also um, the co-founder of Mommy's and Mimosa Supportive Network. We have a passion for women, particularly for mothers. We want to change this world and make it a better place for ourselves and our children. And then lastly, I do also run a child care and um, it's called King's Kids Developmental, also on Facebook because I value King's Kids. (laughs) Awesome. And I'll put all the links in the show notes so people will be able to connect with you. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you, Devaney. Did you love this episode? If you answered yes to that, I would so appreciate if you headed down and left a rating and a review. That would mean so much to me. I'm so grateful for you. Thank you for spending your time here, and I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day.